We've been in the house war once again um, on a weekday. It's uh, certainly in the weekdays that we come to church and we're able to um, be refreshed and regain our strength from the Lord. And so um, if you would just go ahead and stand, we want to um, go to the word of the Lord in the book of Genesis uh, chapter 19. And I'm going to read two passages of scripture, one in the book of Genesis chapter 19. And in the second one, we're going to be going to the book of Joshua chapter 24. Um, Amen. If you have it, say amen. Amen. Going to the book of Genesis chapter 19 verses 1 and then skipping down to verses 15 through 17. Genesis chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And skipping down to verses 15, it says, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, Take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city, the sin of the city. And it says, and while he lingered, he was a little hesitant, he lingered. The men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him Without the city. They brought him out of the city. In verse 17 it says. And it came to pass. When they had brought them forth abroad. That he said escape. For thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou. In all the plain. But escape to the mountain. Lest thou be consumed. And finally. Want to go to the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15. It says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, this is Joshua speaking unto the children of Israel, the Israelites. He said, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the floods, or the gods of the Amorites, and whose land ye dwell. And then he made a commanding statement at the end. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to preach tonight on the simple topic, living on the fence. Living on the fence. If you could just go ahead and lay your Bibles aside and just go ahead and lift up your hands. God, we worship you. We praise you, God, tonight. We magnify you. We glorify you. God, we ask that you would speak a word, oh God, into our lives tonight, oh God. Oh, let us not leave the same way, God, that we came in, oh God, bound to press sick or lame. God, your word is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God, don't let us leave the same way. Oh God, that we came in, but let us leave renewed in the power of your might and in the power. 
power of your spirit today, God. We worship you and we praise you, God, today. And we magnify you. We glorify you tonight. Anoint us tonight, oh God, to receive your word. In Jesus' name, anoint us tonight, oh God. In Jesus' name. And let us not just be hearers of your word, God. But let us be doers of your word, oh God. That we may be fruitful in your kingdom, oh God. We worship you and we praise you, oh God. Today we magnify you. We glorify you, oh God, tonight. Oh God, we thank you, Jesus. We praise you, we worship you, God. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor and all the worship, oh God, tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah, amen. You may be seated. Living on the fence. Living on the fence. And so the story begins at a time of great catastrophe in the life of Lot who the Bible describes was living in a sin, a city of great sin, the city of Sodom. And so much the so that the angels, God sent angels to take Lot out of this city of Sodom. For the the Bible describes that the cry was great before the Lord, so much so that he was going to destroy this wicked city. But if we back up just for a minute and set a little pretext of what happened before that became the situation that we read in the book of Genesis chapter 9, that the wickedness was so great before the Lord, so much that he decided to destroy this wicked city. Lot, we know it from the from the Bible, was a nephew of a man named Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, a man of blessing, of great blessing. But even before Abraham became, there was a man that we, I'm sure, all heard of by the man named Noah, who, through his two, his three sons, him, Shem, and Jake and Japheth went through the flood. And the Bible describes the flood as the judgment of God upon the whole earth before the because of the wickedness of men. The wickedness of men was so great that God decided that he was done with with man. But the Bible describes that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And through Noah and his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, after the flood, the Bible describes the situation that happened in the life of Noah. The Bible does not describe why this happened, but the Bible describes the situation that Noah drank wine and became drunk. And through the situation that evolved, the Bible describes that Noah was naked in the sight of his son, Ham. And the Bible describes that Ham dishonored his father. He saw his nakedness and yet did nothing to cover him up, did nothing to 
respect him, did nothing to honor his father, but simply left and told none of his brothers what had happened. And the other two brothers, Japheth and Shem, saw what their father, uh, the situation of their father was in. And the Bible describes that they took a garment and went backwards, not seeing their father in their nakedness, and covered him up. But they had honor unto their father. And the Bible describes that the next morning Noah awoke and found what had happened. And the Bible describes that he cursed his son Ham for the dishonor that he displayed to his father. And I'm reminded of a scripture in the Bible that says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the earth. And so we see a direct correlation in that, that the cursing, that the cursing of God was placed on Ham. But Shem and Japheth, the Bible describes that Abraham blessed them. He blessed him. And it was through the lineage of Shem that out came down the line a man named Terah. And Terah had also three sons. He had Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran had a son named Lot. And so the Bible describes that Haran in the course of time died. And so the grandfather Terah took Abram and his grandson, or Abram's nephew, Lot, and went to a city called Haran. And it was in the city of Haran that God spoke to Abram and called him out of the city, called him out of the land that he was dwelling. And he said, get you out of your father's land. Get you out of your comfort zone, in other words. Get you out of the comfort zone of your life and you will go to a place a land where I will direct you into a land where I will direct you. And, yeah. and the, the analogy is such that when we come before God, God calls us out of our comfort zone into a place where He will lead us and guide us. He doesn't just take us out of sin, but He makes us so much better. He always leaves us more with more blessings and greater than what we were in the beginning. And so the Bible describes that God called Abram out of his father's kindred, out of the land of the city of Haran. And the Bible describes that his nephew, Lot, it says, and Lot went with him. And so the thing that I got from this is Lot was probably early in his life. He was probably just a young man in his life. He made the decision early in his life to follow his uncle, Abraham. And the Bible describes that they traveled and they went on to a city called Bethel. And it was in the city of Bethel that the Bible describes that Abraham built him an altar before God. And he, and he gave that example to his, to his nephew Lot. And, and the Bible describes that his nephew Lot followed in his footsteps because the Bible also lets us know that Lot also did the same. He also built an altar in his life following in the footsteps of his uncle, Abraham. And so, when we have children, whether it be in the church or even of our own blood, we have to set that example. The Bible says that train up a child in the ways he should go, and we, when he is old, he will never depart from it. And so, 
No matter what you choose early on in life, God will continue to test you to see if that decision that you made early in your life still holds. Do you still believe in that? The decision that you might have made as a five-year-old in Sunday school, when you might have gotten the Holy Ghost or when you might have gotten baptized, and you've come up to the age of 20, do you still believe in God? Does your relationship with God, is it still there? Or is it just something, a figment of your imagination that you've got the Holy Ghost 15 or 20 years and all of a sudden you're old and I know it's better life and I know everything and I can just go and do my thing. And so God put a test before Lot. And the Bible describes it in the course of time after leaving the city of Bethel that strife rose between the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham. And because Abraham did not want strife in his own family with his own nephew, he said, choose you a land. Choose to the right or to the left. You go to the right and I'll take my family to the left. He gave him first choice. He said, you go to the right and I'll go to the left. You go to the left and I'll go to the right, but choose you away so that there is not strife between our family. And the Bible describes that Lot looked up and beheld, beheld the plains of Jordan. He beheld it was good to the eye, or so he thought. And just like Eve, going back in the very beginning in the book of Genesis, beheld the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She saw that it was good to the eye, but did not know what was to become if she made the choice to move forward on that, on that decision. And so Lot, the Bible describes, beheld the plains of Jordan, that they were well watered. It looked good to the eye. And so he made his decision to go in the plains of the Jordan. And the Bible describes that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He was already looking in the direction of Sodom. He already had his eyes set on the city of Sodom. And would you know that when you start thinking something, if you're not careful, it will turn into action, whether it be good or whether it be bad. In this case, it was a bad decision because he was making a decision of his own flesh. He did not seek the will of God. He did not seek the Holy Ghost and ask God for guidance. He did not ask God for guidance. Where should I go, God? But he simply yielded to his feelings, his emotions, and what seemed good to the eye and followed that direction. And in the, the Bible lets us know in the course of time that through his pitching his tent towards simply changing the direction and seeing, you know, this plains of Jordan look good. It's well water. It's probably got green grass. It's got many resources to sustain my family. For many years to come, I think I'm going to go. And then all of a sudden the city of Sodom caught his attention. And the Bible says that he pitched his tent, his tent towards the city of, of Sodom. And later on in the Bible, it lets us know that not only did he pitch his tent towards Sodom, but he actually wound up in the city of Sodom. He was no longer just a thought, but his action began to take place such that he wound up physically in the city of Sodom. And if we're not careful in this life, we have to stay prayed up because 
our flesh can easily get a hold of us and we will pitch our tent towards a different direction other than the word of God. The Bible describes in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 it says, For there is a way that seemeth bright unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. In other words, it doesn't matter where you go in that direction. Once you change course out of the church, once you change course out of God, all those different ways are leading to destruction. It will destroy your life. There is only life. Jesus said that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. It is only through him that we have true life and that we can have eternal life. And so, Lot's wound up in the city of Sodom. The Bible describes that the city was utterly wicked. So much so that God decided later on that it was too much for him to bear and he had to destroy the city. But before we get there, Lot parted ways with Abraham and wound up in the city of Sodom. And in the course of his time being in the city of Sodom, the Bible describes that the, that the kings in the lands adjacent to the city of Sodom rose up against the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and overtook those cities and destroyed those cities and took the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah captive and also took Lot captive as well. And the Bible describes that Abraham got wind of this and because that was his own flesh and blood, he decided to go after them. And the Bible describes that Abraham smote them and overtook them and returned and got back his nephew Lot and even the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. He got a hold of Lot and no doubt I'm sure he probably tried to talk some sense into him and said, what are you doing? You know I'm your uncle. I know there's probably strife in the past, but you know what? You're probably not you're not in a good situation. You're not in a good you're not in a good place right now. Why don't you go ahead and stay with me for a while until things get better? But that was the first situation. And so even after God delivered Lot out of the wicked city of Sodom, the Bible describes later on in the chapter 19 that lets us know that even though Lot was delivered out of the wicked city of Sodom, he still went back to this to his old place, to his old dwelling. And when God delivers us out of sin, he instructs us, he commands us not to go back. And when he gives us one chance, it's not for us to turn our back and say, God, I'm going to go ahead and do my own thing. I think I can still make it up my own way. But when God shows us mercy, he shows us his love. It is not license to go back where he delivered us from. Hallelujah. When God delivers us, we are to get up our loins. We are to get up on our feet and serve God with all of our hearts and all of our souls. And be thankful for all that God has done for us and for delivering us out of sin and for delivering us out of slavery, out of bondage in our mind, out of bondage of sin. For God has done so much for us. But Lord apparently did not learn his lesson because he went back to which he was delivered from. He went back to the city 
of Sodom. And so much to sow. So much the reason so that God was angered. And God became wroth. He became angry. And the Bible lets us know that he went to Abraham not only to give him a promise of a child that he was to later bear forth, but also to let him know that he was about to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew how much his own flesh and blood meant to him. And that's probably exactly why he told he told him that I'm about to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. I know your nephew still lives there, but I'm just letting you know what I'm about to do, Abraham. I'm about to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. The cries of the wickedness of the city has gone up so much before me that I'm tired. I'm sick of it. And I know your nephew's in the city of sin, but I gave him a chance. And he let him know that he was about to destroy the city. And what's very interesting is this time Abraham didn't go and try to take his own nephew Lot out of the city of Sodom. But he knew and respected the fact that God says, I'm going to do something. And there's nothing that you can do about it. But all he could do was simply pray and plead on the behalf of his nephew. Hallelujah. And he said, God, if there be but 50 righteous in the city, would you still destroy it? And he came a couple times all the way down to 10 people. To God, if there be 10 righteous men, 10 righteous people in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, would you still destroy it? And God says, if there be 10 righteous in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, I will not destroy it. And there was still not yet ten righteous in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, but there was utter wickedness in the city. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was not even ten righteous in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible lets us know that there was not only even ten righteous in this city, but finally God said, all right, there's not even ten rights in the city. I'm going to do that which I said. I know you pleaded your case before me, Abraham. And I told you that there, if there be ten righteous in the city, I would not destroy it. But I've gone out and I've searched the city. And there's still not yet ten. And the right, there's not still ten righteous in the city. And so he sent his angels. And the Bible describes that Lot met these angels at the city of Sodom. He still had a remembrance of his former days. He still remembered the ways in which he was groomed. He still remembered the ways in which his uncle Abraham brought him up to serve in the ways of the Lord. He still had a flashpoint. He had something to go back on and even do his stupor that he was living in because the Bible says that his soul became vexed because of the sin and the wickedness of the city of Sodom. Hallelujah. You think sometimes that you can live with one foot in the church and one foot out of the church. But if you're not careful, your soul will become vexed and you'll not be able to see your right hand from your left because you 
we live. And it is such a great reason to live. Hallelujah. And so the angels were sent to, to the city, to the wicked city of Sodom. And Lot still had a sense of his upbringing. There was something that caught his eye and said, these are not ordinary men, these angels that came into the city. These were not ordinary men that came into the city. There was something that caught his eye. It reminded, reminded him of the way in which he was brought. But there was probably a sense of the presence of God that he felt when he approached these, these angels, these men that came to destroy this, the city of Sodom. And so the Bible describes that Lot met them. And he invited them into his house. And they came into his house. They came into his house. And after the course of time that Lot fed them, he prepared a meal for them. He honored them. But the men were there to get Lot and his family out of the city because the wrath of God was about to fall down. And the wickedness of the city was so much the so that while Lot was preparing a meal for these men, while they began to talk, the Bible describes that the men of the city began to surround Lot's house and to demand of him the angels. They could not see what Lot saw. They just simply saw these men as ordinary men. And so the Bible describes that these men of the city began to surround Lot's house and began to demand Lot that they give them these men to commit sin with them. And the Bible describes that the angels simply reached out their hands because of the such wickedness of this city and of these men and the desire to commit sin that they blinded them. And the angels of the Lord grabbed Lot. It was not enough for the word of the Lord to simply go forth and tell Lot, you need to get out of the city because the wickedness and the cry of the city has gone before the Lord and God is about to destroy the city. The Bible describes that Lot still lingered. And that's exactly what happens when you try to live with one foot in the church and one foot out of the church. You become blinded that even when the word of the Lord comes before you, you still linger. You still are hesitant. You don't know your right enough because you've been in sin for too long. You can't see anymore. You become blind that even the word of God can't penetrate your heart. You become blind. You become desensitized. And that's exactly what sin does. It desensitizes you. That even when the wrath of God is about to fall down, you will partake in that wrath. You will partake in the vengeance of God if you do not adhere to the voice of the Lord. You become blind. You become desensitized. And you don't know if you should go to the right or to the left. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says to look up for what's come with our help. 
our help cometh from the Lord and only from Him. Hallelujah. He always leaves us better than what He found us. And so the angels had to physically grab Lot and grab Lot's wife. But before they grabbed him to physically yank him out of the city because he was hesitant, he lingered. The Bible describes that Lot told his sons-in-law about what the word of the Lord had spoken into his life, that God was about to destroy the city of Sodom. And because of his lack of a testimony, the Bible describes that his sons-in-law mocked him. They said, I'm sure the Bible doesn't describe it, but I'm sure they could just sit there and say, oh really, you've been living a life, you've been living a double life all this life, and all of a sudden these angels come and talk to you, and the God comes to talk to you and say he's going to destroy this city? I don't think so. Your, your actions speak louder than your words. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. And so the Bible describes that they mocked him and they did not listen to him, and they stayed in the city of Sodom. And the angels physically grabbed Lot and his wife and his two daughters and pulled them out of the city. And while the word went forth in their lives, the Bible describes that the angels of the Lord spoke to them and said, Escape to the mountain. Do not look back. When God gives you a chance and you go back, you'll be thankful enough that God gives you a second chance. But this is the third time that God spoke to his life. And said, don't look back. Don't look back. You don't want to know what's going to happen. Simply be obedient to the voice of the Lord. Do not look back. And the Bible describes that the wife of Lot looked back. And the Bible describes that she became a pillar of salt. God was fed up. He gave Lot one chance and two chances. And even though he still lingered, he had to physically pull them out of the city. But when the third time came and he said, don't look back, God had enough. And she became a pillar of salt. And when when we serve God, we cannot look back. But we've got to give God our all every single day. For if we look back, it might be the last time that we look back. And there will be no more future. There will be no looking forward. There'll be no more blessings to look forward to. And God, God has been so merciful to us. Oh, we we have to be so thankful for all that God has done for us. There ought to be no reason to even want to think about looking back. But we've got to look forward and keep our eyes fixed upon Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. We cannot leave this life living on the fence with one foot in the church and one foot out. Indecisive. Not knowing what we should do when the blessings of God are like the forest. It ought to be plainly clear that God wants to bless you and God wants to multiply you. God wants to do everything good for your life. There is no reason to linger. There is no reason to be hesitant about serving God. God only wants the very best for us. Even better than 
what we want for our own lives. Hallelujah. God has been so good, so good to us. There is no reason to hesitate. There is no reason to linger. There is no reason to be in between two opinions. But as Joshua told the people of Israel, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Oh, come on. We are going forward. And we're going to serve the Lord with everything that we've got. No matter what obstacles may stand in my way. I'm going to serve the Lord with all of my heart and with all of my soul. Hallelujah. And if you want me to lead to a witness today, I urge you, I urge you today to choose the Lord. Choose the Lord and serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 